do you define love? There's an old song that went, what is love, right? You guys had the song playing in your head. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. You're welcome for that. You're going to have that in your head now all day long. A group of professionals of these counselors, they got together with a bunch of kids. They pulled them together, and and a bunch of four- to eight-year-olds, and they asked them this question, what does love mean? And the answers they got, as one researcher said, were deep and wide and all across the spectrum. Here's some of the definitions that four- to eight-year-olds gave for what does love mean. From Chrissy, who's six years old, love is when you go out to eat and you give someone most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. (laughs) Terry, who's four, said, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Danny, age seven, says, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. (laughs) That's real love. And in my family, that's to make sure it's not too hot, right? Bobby, who is five, said, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Now, there's a deep thinker. Noel, who is seven, said, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and he wears it every day. (laughs) Marianne says, love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day long. Karen, who is seven, said, when you love someone, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. Apparently, she's seen lots of cartoons. And Rebecca, age eight, said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. So we're wrapping up a series this week called You Don't Complete Me. And we've been spending the last few weeks talking about relationships. Uh, we, we started off talking about how we were each made in the image of God. Because before we can have a relationship with others, we need to understand who we are and how God has made us. And then we looked at what it means to be single and the gift of singleness. And then last week, we used an illustration of a ladder to symbolize the relationship of marriage. And if you remember, as the couple goes up the ladder with Christ as the center at the very top of that ladder, the closer they get to Jesus, the closer they get to each other. So the key to your marriage being a great marriage is you becoming more like Christ. But that illustration, it doesn't just apply to marriage. Actually, all of your experiences in relationships can grow when you become more like Jesus. So today we're going to look at all of our relationships as we end this series together. And what if I was to tell you that there is a way for you to know if you're going up the ladder? Because the truth of the matter is, as we're on that ladder, we we see we're supposed to be more like Jesus, but we don't always know what that is going to look like. Well, it turns out that there is a way we can know that we're becoming more like Jesus. If you got your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4. It's toward the end of the Bible. Right, gives you a little idea there. Right towards the end there, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be reading, starting in verse 7 today, 1 John chapter 4. Now, John was written by the Apostle John, uh, who is often referred to as the beloved of Jesus. Possibly Jesus' best friend. One that he had a deep friendship and a love for. And this is what John writes to us in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love 
does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they can see cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he who has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Let's pray together this morning. God, we thank you for those words that speak to us an amazing truth. And Lord, I just ask this morning as we spend a few minutes looking at this passage and talking about our relationships in the context of of godly love for one another, that you would open our hearts to hear what you have for us. Lord, that you would open my mouth to just speak your words. And God, may all of us leave this room understanding and feeling closer to the love of Christ, but Lord, that we would demonstrate that love to others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, there's a key word repeated over 27 times in that passage. Did you pick up what it is? The word love, yes. And that word love is a little bit different than we understand love. If you've been around the Bible or around church for a while, you probably know that that word is actually the Greek word agape. Agape love. And this isn't love like you might have uh, for a hamburger or for your favorite movie or a favorite sports team. This is an unconditional, an all-in, a no-matter-what kind of love. And it's not a love that you earn. It's a love that's freely given It's a love that apart from God doesn't really make a lot of sense. And this isn't the kind of love that we're often taught in our culture. We use phrases like this, especially in the context of relationships, right? I fell out of love. Or I just don't love her anymore. Bob Goff said this. He says, love isn't something we fall into. It's something we become. Remember, in the context of this, we're trying to become, go up the ladder, become more like Christ. And so here's what you need to understand. Agape is not a feeling. Feelings are passive and they're receptive. Someone does something to you and it makes you feel a certain way. But agape is active and agape is a decision. Agape is a choice that you make, no matter what the circumstances. It's something you do, not just something that you feel. And God really only commands one kind of love. He doesn't say you have to feel a certain way about others or 
get your emotions to feel a certain way, whether you're in worship or, or with your boyfriend or girlfriend, your husband or wife, with your children, the world around us. He doesn't command us to feel something. He commands us to do something, and that is to love. Now, don't get me wrong. The feeling is awesome, those of us who have experienced feelings of love, but it's not the end game. It might be where you start, but it can't be where you end up. And God is calling you. And by calling, I don't just mean suggesting. He's commanding us in these passages and other passages that we're going to see as Jesus commands us to do this throughout Scripture. He's commanding us to love each other. So here's the main point of this text. I'm going to give it to you right off the front of the bat here. Our love for others, in other words, how we treat others that we're in relationships with, our love for others should be a reflection should be a reflection. Remember the first week we talked about being made in the image of God, the reflection of God. Our love for others should be a reflection of God's love for us. That's the test that we have to see if we're really going up the ladder. This passage says several times in here, God is love. God is love. It doesn't say that love is God right? God makes up the entirety of love. Love is made complete in who he is. And you can experience feelings of love apart from God, but God himself is the embodiment of love. And Jesus' love that John is talking about here in 1 John 4 isn't what we call a transactional love. Right? There's not a you give to me and I give back to you. We see Jesus' demonstration of this in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Towards the end of Jesus' life, he's gathering with his disciples. And he says these words in John chapter 13, verse 4. He said, so he got up from the meal. He took out his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Then in verse 12, the apostles, they're, they're, they're confused by this. They don't understand what's going on. Jesus, their master, their teacher, is getting down on his hands and knees and washing their feet. In verse 12, it says, When he has finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said, Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, we might think that what Jesus should have done is said, okay, I've washed your feet. Now, it's your turn. Wash my feet. Right? That's often the way that we look at our life. And that's often the kind of love that we have for one another. I've washed your feet, now you wash mine. But that's not the kind of love that we're supposed to live out. See, Jesus' love always goes first. Jesus' love always goes first. It's not a transactional kind of love. It's not a you scratch my back, I'll scratch your kind of love. I'm guessing most of you saw, or you, at least you heard about, the Super Bowl ads, He Gets Us. How many of you saw those? Maybe live at the Super Bowl or later on. It, these, these were commercials put on by an organization that depicted Jesus washing people's feet. People from all walks of life. 
some that had been caught in sin, some that were living maybe a lifestyle that, that we understand the Bible uh, might look at and that Jesus would look at and say, that's not the complete way I want you to love. Examples of Jesus washing people's feet that, that were in struggles, that had gone through trials, that were so celebrating and also mourning. And it's created quite a stir. And I don't really know much about the organization that put those together. And I know there's a lot of conversations that have been had because of that. People ask, well, was that a good use of money? And, and all that aside, the major debate that's happening right now with those commercials is whether that 90-second commercial presented the full story of Jesus. And the answer to that, of course, is no. It's a 90-second commercial. <laughs> it didn't. But on network TV, viewed by millions, it showed that Jesus loved first, that he leads in all situations with love. Now, before any of the people depicted in that commercial could hear what needed to be different in their lives or to hear that they weren't defined by the choices that they had made, the things that had happened to them, the things they had done or that others had done to them. Before they could hear any of that message of how their sin separated them from the ultimate source of true agape love, they first had to come in contact with his love. Romans 5 verse 6 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were so powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still making the choices that separated us from God, while we were still stuck on that rung of the ladder, not moving closer to Christ, Jesus' love went first. Before you and I had done anything to deserve love, before we had even asked for help, before we even realized we needed help, before we ever took a step closer to God, he took a step towards us. Before we even cared, Christ loved. And Jesus doesn't ask for us to reciprocate that love. Verse 11 says this, since God so loved us, or in other words, because God loved us in this way, because he loved us with agape love, we also ought to love one another. Have you ever heard of the 50-50 rule? This is often used when people are talking about marriage or relationships, dating relationships, that each spouse or each part of the couple would pull their weight. Like, you get 50% and I'll get 50%, and then, of course, we have 100%. So we make our marriage, our relationship whole by each pulling our own weight. How many of you guys have experienced the fact that that doesn't work, right? Because you're going to wake up one morning and you can't give it your 50%. And so even if your spouse is given 50%, you no longer have the marriage you're supposed to have. That's transactional love. That's not agape love. That's you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Now, I happen to love back scratches. But if every time I, my wife gave me a back scratch... If she did it just so she could get one back, that's not agape love, is it? It doesn't work in marriages. And agape love 
is the only way that we can have any kind of relationships. If it isn't agape love, transactional love doesn't work in any of our relationships. You do something for me, I do something for you. That might feel good, and it might provide something, but it's not love. One of my favorite things to do uh, is at either a restaurant or a hotel or where there's a crowd of people coming by the door is I'll run up to the door and open the door for people. Right? It, it's, it's something very small. Uh, my dad and my parents kind of raised me that you always should open the door for people. And so I'll open the door for them. And without a doubt, it like shocks people. And I don't understand that. Maybe it's just the times we live in. People don't do that anymore. The response is always, why, thank you. Like they're taken by surprise that someone would be nice enough to open the door for them. And often what we think is uh, that they should then reciprocate, right? So that's kind of the way it works. You, you go and you open the door and then that person runs up and they open the door for you. But I don't open the door for people so that they will open the door for me. I did it because I wanted to. And it's always fun to get to one of those entrances that have an airlock, you know, where there's a set of doors and then a little bit of time and then another set of doors. Because the person who just opened the door for the, the first door will then rush to the next door to try to open it for them. To return the favor, the person who received that will try to return the favor. But that doesn't always happen, does it? Now, how weird would it be if after I opened the door for someone... I, I rushed inside to next to the door and just went, <clears throat> and waited for them to open the door for me. See, that's transactional love. That's not the way that it works. Uh, there was a scene in, in the TV show The Office many years ago. Uh, this guy, Dwight Schrute, he, he was going around and he was doing favors for everyone in the office. And they got into a, a one-upmanship in these favors. They would go and just do these random, strange things to try to do favors for each other. And one of the guys was doing it to show his uh, appreciation. The other one, Dwight, was doing it with another motive. And so back and forth all day long, they would try to one-up each other in these favors. And Dwight ends the day, he goes, can a guy just buy some bagels for his friends so they'll owe him a favor, which he can use to get someone fired who stole a co-manager position from him anymore? Jeez. Right? Just transactional love. Doing love for someone else so you can get something in return. Uh, several years ago, when Sienna was first born, um, we lived in Amarillo, Texas, and we were really far away from our family, uh, 18 hours away. We were brand new there. Sienna was just born. We really didn't know anybody. And uh, Sienna, you wouldn't know this now because she's such just a quiet, uh, wonderful young lady. But when she was a newborn, she was loud. <laughs> and she had a hard time sleeping. And uh, there was weeks and weeks and weeks that went by that sleeping was not happening in the Bruce house. And it began to take its toll on Angie. And then it began to take its toll on me. And these ladies from this church, who we barely knew, said, we're going to come over. And we're going to take care of Siano all through the night for several nights in a row so that you guys can get on some kind of rhythm. That's agape love. Now, 
they stood up or sat up all night with a crying baby, as cute as she was, so that we could get sleep. And what did they ask for in return? Nothing. There is no way that even today that we could ever pay back those ladies for what they gave us, which was life back, right? It wasn't a transactional love. It was agape. It had nothing to do with anything we had done for them. They barely knew us, but they demonstrated that love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, because he loved us this way, unconditionally, we also ought to love one another. Love always goes first. See, one of the evidences of spiritual maturity that you're growing, that you're going up the ladder is love. The evidence of really being a Christian is love. Your spiritual maturity isn't measured by how old you are or how long you've been going to church or even how much of the Bible you've read. It isn't how much knowledge you have or how often you pray. It's measured by your love. It's measured by your love. No one has seen God, John says. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. We've been talking about what it means to be complete but how we can't be completed by our spouses or a relationship or a hobby or money or anything except the love of Christ. That that's what completes us. See, the world doesn't get to see Jesus in the flesh like John did. They don't get to experience Jesus washing their feet. They don't get to experience all of the fruition of love manifested in the presence of Jesus in a physical form, right? But that doesn't mean that people don't get to see Jesus because although they can't see God, they can see you and I. They see us in the way that we treat each other, in the way that we respond to each other, in the way that we step up for each other and show up for each other. To use an example of the airlock differently, many of us have opened the door to God's love, but we haven't learned to open the other side and let the love we've experienced be experienced by others. And that's what it looks like when we get stuck on that ladder, if you remember that from last week. We've got the love of Christ. He's given it to us. He's demonstrated it to us. Not just said it. He didn't just said, I love you. He showed us that he loved us. But if we're not opening that next door, the love is not going out to the world. So why is it so hard for us to be in a relationship with each other where we experience love? I was thinking about this this week, and I came across this statement that it's been, I don't want to use the word haunting, but it's really been making me think. And I hope that even if it doesn't sink in right this second, that later on throughout the week, it'll sink in with you. And it's this. How you think God loves you is often how you love others. How you think God loves you is often how you love others. So if you think about the struggles that you might be having in relationships with your spouse, with your neighbor, with your boyfriend or girlfriend, with a parent, with a coworker, how you think God loves you is often how you love 
others? What do the relationships around you look like? See, if you think that God holds records of wrongs against you, then you're going to do that with others. If you think that God requires perfection from you, then you're going to expect perfection from others. If you think you have to earn something from God, you're going to make people earn something from you. See, John understood that this relationship, this vertical relationship, is directly connected to the relationships we have with each other. How you think God loves you is often how you love others. And I gave this some thought this week, and I thought, how do I love others? How am I making God visible in my relationships? Remember, God is not seen physically, but God is seen in the way that we love each other. So how am I making God visible in my relationships? As I go up that ladder, I think I'm becoming more like Christ. God's becoming more visible in my marriage and hopefully with my family and the way that I treat those who maybe drive me crazy. But what about all your relationships? What about all my relationships? How you love others comes from how you think God loves you. If you look around you, you might find yourself struggling to really love the people around you, those who are different from you, those who disagree with you on any number of things, those who are hard to deal with. And instead of saying, well, those people are just hard to love, instead of saying, I just, you know, they're driving me crazy, perhaps the reason you're struggling is because you're looking at your relationship with God not through agape love. You're expecting God to do something for you. Or you haven't fully acknowledged what we talked about the first week, that we're made in the image of God, that God already made us complete in who he is. Perhaps you've not fully accepted your identity and who God created you to be. Perhaps you're not allowing him to pour his love into you. Perhaps you have barriers in your heart, in your life, because you don't feel good enough. And so you think, I'm not good enough for God. How can I be good enough for the people around me? Because you haven't been able to forgive yourself. You're not able to forgive those around you. Perhaps you just can't bring yourself to believe that God could love you like that. In spite of all that we have done, in spite of the while we were still sinners. So let me ask you this morning, have you fully opened yourself up to receive the agape love of God? Have you fully opened yourself up for him to pour his love into your life? Because as you grow in your acceptance of that, his love, passage tells us, makes us complete. We're made complete, not by the things of the world, not by the people in our lives, but by God's love. And once you open yourself up to receive more of this love, this vertical agape love from God, then you can share it with those around you. And that love changes the way you interact with your spouse, with your parents, with your aunt who drives you crazy, the annoying neighbor or the rude customer at work. It changes the way that you relate to people who look different than you and make different choices than you. And your, love is, your life is marked by that love. And out of that love flows peace and compassion and more love. So if you truly open your heart and your life to the love that God so much wants to pour into you, 
if you've not opened yourself up to that love. We want to come alongside you and help you to see the love that God has for you more clearly. And if you've got questions about what that might look like, you could come up after service and I'd love to chat with you. Call the church office during the week. But I want you to leave here knowing that there is a love that God has for you in spite of all that we are, or all that we've done. It's an agape love. And that love, he wants us to experience it, but then he wants us to share it. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Each week we take some time to remember that love. Remember that Jesus showed us how we're to love one another, and he paid the price for our sins by dying on the cross. And that wasn't a transaction. It wasn't a, I'll do this for you, now you do this for me. He gave his life freely, agape, lived out. So if you've got your communion, I encourage you to take it out now. If you didn't get some on your way in, there's some on the back table right there. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he gave his life for you. This serves as a reminder of agape love. And so I want to encourage you, we take the bread. And this bread reminds us of the body of Jesus that was given in agape love for you and for me. Let's take this and eat to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. That same time that Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he said, take this cup, this juice that reminds us of the blood of Jesus that was given for us, once again, freely, not expecting that we would then pay him back, but because of his love. Let's take this morning. we love one another. God lives in us. We take this communion not just to remember his sacrifice, but to remember the words that we just read. We've taken the body and the blood of Jesus within us as a symbol to remind us that the world doesn't get to see physically Jesus on earth, but they see Jesus in you and I. that the love, the agape love of Jesus that came down on the cross lives within you and I. So because of that love, because God loved us in that way, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the love of Jesus. There is certainly not enough words for us to say and we could sing for the rest of our lives about your love, Lord, we still wouldn't understand. 
how while we were still sinners, you gave that love for us. Because you are love and you demonstrate that love for us, Lord. And you ask us to love the world, our brothers and sisters, in the way that you have loved us. Lord, I ask that you, even in this moment now, would open our hearts to see the relationships that we have with each other. And Lord, would you put on our hearts maybe the things that we need to, the ways we need to love differently. Where are we not showing love to the people around us in the way that you have called us to? Not just people that we like being around, Lord, but all. That we would love our brothers and sisters, not because of what they can give to us or what they have done or maybe not done for us, but can we love the way that you loved us? And God, I pray that the world wouldn't need commercials to remind them of that, that they would see it every day. That it wouldn't be shocking when we see something like that on TV because the world is full of Christians going out into the world and loving the world the way that you loved us. God, help us in our relationships to be you, to be more like you as we go up that ladder, Lord, growing closer to you, becoming more like Christ. God, help us to understand the love you have for us is not transactional. The love that we have for each other should not be either. May we love you as you, or may we love the world as you have loved us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church together said,